Okay, this is Jody Meyer, uh, Chair of the Historic Resources Commission. Uh, it is now 6 p.m., so I will go ahead and call to order the March 23rd, 2023 meeting of the Historic Resources Commission. Avery, would you like to give the preliminaries? Yes, thank you. Good evening and welcome to the March 23rd Historic Resources Commission meeting. My name is Avery Kerner and I'll be helping to facilitate the Zoom portion of tonight's hybrid meeting. Before we, be, before we begin, I have just a few reminders for everyone. Tonight's meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. For those who are joining the meeting via Zoom, please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not actively speaking to help minimize distractions. We also ask that everyone state their name each time they speak to ensure that everyone is able to follow along. And with that, I'll turn the meeting back over to the chair. This is Chair Jody Meyer, thank you. Uh, we will go ahead and take a roll call vote um, of members this evening. Commissioner Johnson. Commissioner Johnson here. Commissioner Ezell. Commissioner Ezell here. Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein here. Commissioner Coleman. Commissioner Coleman here. Commissioner Holly. Commissioner Holly present. Commissioner Meyer is present and have we filled our open spot yet, Avery? No. No, we have not. Okay. Mr. Chair Meyer again, then we have as many members as we're going to have this evening present. So uh, we will then move on to our agenda this evening. Uh, the first item on the agenda is communications. Have we received communications from other commissions, the State Historic Preservation Officer or the general public? You do have two communications this evening, both for agenda items for chapter 22 um, review that you'll be doing. One is from the Lawrence Preservation Alliance and then one is from Commissioner Klein. So those were added to the packet under chapter 22 item. This is Chair Jody Meyer, thank you. Um, do we have any disclosure of ex parte communications uh, from commissioners this evening? Okay, I don't see any. Do we have any de declaration of abstentions for specific agenda items by commissioners this evening? All right, I don't see any of that. Um, do we have any committee reports this evening? The Architectural Review Committee did meet about 822 Rhode Island Street and that will be discussed in that agenda item. This is Chair Meyer, thank you. Uh, we will then move on to our consent agenda. Uh, we have a number of administrative approvals um, under the consent agenda this evening, design review applications. Um, is there any public comment on those items? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. I am seeing no public comment on this item. Okay, this is Chair Meyer again. Um, there is no public comment or commission comment. Uh, I would move that we confirm the attached design review applications according to the standards and information listed in the staff report for each application. Uh, Commissioner Klein seconds that motion. Right, there's been a motion and a second. We'll take a roll call vote. Commissioner Johnson. Commissioner Johnson, yes. Commissioner Ezell. Commissioner Ezell, yes. Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein, yes. Commissioner Coleman. Commissioner Coleman, aye. Commissioner Holly. Commissioner Holly, aye. 
And Commissioner Meyer is an aye, so that motion carries six to zero. Um, the next item on the agenda is our general public comment. Is there any general public comment this evening? Uh, this is Avery Kerner, planning staff. Did anyone attending via Zoom have any public comment to provide? If so, you can provide that now. Does not look like there's any general public comment tonight. All right, this is Chair Meyer. Then we will move on to our public hearing items uh, this evening. And I think that we were going to go a little bit out of order this evening. Uh, is that correct, Lynn? Is that your request? Yes, to take item three first. Okay. This is Chair Meyer again. We will take item three on the agenda first, which is uh, DR 23-00047-1701 Massachusetts Street. Hey, give me just one second to pull up the presentation here real quick. Okay, good evening, commissioners. My name is Avery Kerner, planning staff. This item is DR-23-0047 for a proposed commercial addition at the CAT Clinic located at 1701 Massachusetts, Massachusetts Street. The proposed project is in the environs of two locally listed properties and requires review under Chapter 22 of the City Code for a Certificate of Appropriateness. On the screen, you'll see a map showing the location of the subject property, which is outlined in light blue in relation to the Edward House, located at 1646 Massachusetts Street, and the Eugene F. Goodrich House, located at 1711 Massachusetts Street. The applicant is requesting to construct a small building addition on the north side of the existing structure at 1701 Massachusetts Street. The addition would add approximately 450 square feet to the footprint of the existing structure, and would utilize a mixture of brick, painted horizontal lap siding, and storefront windows to match the facade of the existing structure. On screen is a site plan showing the location of the proposed addition in yellow. Next are two images showing a northeast view of the existing structure on the left and a rendering of the proposed addition on the right. The next slide shows the north elevation of the proposed addition. And then last is the east elevation showing what the proposed addition would look like from Massachusetts Street. And the west elevation showing what the proposed addition would look like from the rear of the property. Staff is of the opinion that the proposed project would be compatible within the context of the environs of the listed properties and recommends approving the certificate of appropriateness. We happy to answer any questions the commission may have. And we also have the applicant for this item here, Chris Cunningham, uh, to help answer any questions and speak to the project. Thank you. This is Jody Meyer. Uh, does the applicant wish to say anything? Sure. Good evening, commissioners. Thank you, Avery. Um, uh, what we've proposed here is a uh, pretty simple addition. Uh, tried to kind of set it back um, 
the north side was really the only place that we could add on to the building and keep the, the building functional per her needs. Uh, we didn't want to take away from the parking. Uh, so we've uh, tried to lightly touch the building. Um, you know, on the front, we've got, you know, a glass kind of ribbon window that comes up where the brick wraps around and then transitions around. And then we've got the siding on the backside. So trying to take those materials that we see in the neighborhood and then, you know, of that existing structure, uh, we'll try and match the brick as we can. Um, all those connection pieces between the addition and the existing building are through existing openings. So the existing windows. So we're gonna, you know, probably have to slot out, you know, below the windows so that we can make pass-throughs there. But we are kind of trying to do that sensitively to the existing structure. Um, you know, so I think that, yeah, this addition is, is great for our client. Uh, it lets her stay there and, you know, with, these improvements, there's a kind of a raft of interior improvements that, that are planned. Um, and so, yeah, we're pretty excited to get this thing going. So any questions, uh, happy to respond. This is Judy Meyer, thank you very much. You. Is there any public comment on this item? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. Uh, did anyone on Zoom Want to provide public comment on this item? No, it looks like there's any public comment on this item. Okay, this is Chair Meyer. Then we will bring it back to the commission for discussion. I thought Jean's cat was uh, providing comment. Commissioner Klein and Child um, move approval of this project. This is Chair Meyer. Jean, uh, are you moving, uh, making a motion in accordance with Chapter 22 of the Code of the City of Lawrence standards of evaluation uh, to find that the proposed project will not significantly encroach on, damage, or destroy the landmarks or their environs and issue the certificate of appropriateness? Yes, uh, Commissioner Clannett, uh, forgive me for not saying all of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is Chair Meyer. Is there a second? Commissioner Johnson seconds. Chair Meyer, there's been a motion and a second. We'll take a roll call vote. Commissioner Johnson. Commissioner Johnson, yes. Commissioner Ezell. Commissioner Ezell, yes. Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein, yes. Commissioner Coleman. Commissioner Coleman, aye. Commissioner Holly. Commissioner Holly, aye. And Commissioner Meyer is an aye, so that motion carries six to zero. Good luck with your project. Thank you. All right, we will go back to our public hearing items. We'll go back to the first item on the agenda, which is DR 23-00037-843 New York Street. All right, Kurt. Right? Yeah, I think I got it. Did I get it? Yeah. Now we're ready. 
Thanks, Kurt. This is DR 23-00037-843 New York Street. It's for demolition and new construction of an accessory structure. It is a certificate of appropriateness review because the property is located in the environs of St. Luke AME Church at 900 New York Street and the Edward Manter House at 821 New York Street. This is showing the project location outlined here in the light blue color. The Manter House is here at 821 New York. And then this is St. Luke AME here at 900 New York. This is the existing accessory structure that's to be demolished. This is a site plan showing the um, new garage and the existing house. The applicant is um, proposing the new construction of the garage in two phases. The first phase would be a one-story garage, and then the later second phase would add a second story to that garage. The elevations on your screen show the proposed garage for phase one. And this is a rendering of that garage. There's a two-door to the north and then a one-door bay on the south end. And then the opposite side of the building. This is showing phase two of the proposed project. Um, you'll see the roof, the addition of the second story here. and then some renderings of the proposed project phase two. So staff is of the opinion that phase one of the proposed project um, does meet the standards and evaluation. This is looking from St. Luke to the project site, which is actually behind this building. This is the alley looking north. Right here is the garage to be demolished. This is the alley looking south and here's the garage to be demolished. So staff is of the opinion that phase one would meet the, the criteria for um, not significantly encroaching on damage or destroying the landmarks and would recommend approval of phase one. However, phase two, where the second story begins to encroach on the landmarks, it really changes the character of that alley. And so staff is recommending um, that the proposed project will encroach on the landmarks or their environs and should request that you deny the certificate of appropriateness for phase two. And with that, I'd be happy to stand for any questions you may have. This is Chair Meyer. Uh, is the applicant present or does the applicant wish to add any comments? Hi, uh, this is Megan Bruey from Hernley Associates. I'm the project designer. Um, I'd just like to ask that the board um, approves phase one as recommended by the staff report um, to consider approving phase two. Um, for phase two with the second story, um, we tried to keep it as small as possible by setting back the um, 
I guess that'd be the west uh, facade, uh, four feet from the property line, and um, keeping the side walls as short as possible on the second story, seven feet. Uh, so, like I said, I'd, I'd like the board to consider approving phase two as well. Thank you. Mr. Chairmeyer, thank you. Uh, is there any public comment on this item? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. There, oh, we do have a public comment on this item. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, Dennis Brown, Lawrence Preservation Alliance Board. Uh, LPA agrees with the staff recommendation for you to determine that phase one does not damage the two listed landmarks, but phase two would. Staff lays out a good case for this. We note that the phase two structure would be only inches below the height of the primary structure on the site. Uh, and as big as the proposed structure is, it still can't incorporate an interior stair and instead places it on the outside of the building. Um, so although you should pass phase one, uh, I would like to utilize a few minutes of public comment looking at this project through a preservation lens, which that's what we do here. I see no preservation design here at all. It's just a lot of mass in one big box, taking up 40 foot of a 50 foot lot. It's even wider than the house it's supposed to pair with. A one car garage structure that has been recently repaired in good shape and has served the house for a hundred years will be demolished. What's driving all this is the desire for a three car garage on the property. Three car garages are not the norm in historic core neighborhoods. Take some time to walk down the alleys in our older neighborhoods and observe the detached, detached service structures on other properties, even on spectacular blocks like Indiana or Louisiana. In Old West Lawrence, many owners of expensive historic homes have chosen to respect the smaller garage structures on their lots or at most upgrade to a two-car garage. Three-car garages are in the newer suburbs, not near downtown. I would offer two suggestions as alternatives that would be more friendly for this project to preservation and their own historic property. Build a two-car garage, include an unsheltered parking space next to it, and repurpose the historic garage, altering it if you have to, for the desired studio space. Or alternative number two, build a two-car garage and retain the, the historic garage to park your third vehicle. There's no, I mean, it doesn't really matter to have all three vehicles parked next to each other. Use the garage that you have. Both of these alternatives would achieve the applicant's objectives but would break up the inappropriate mass of the proposed structure into two separate structures and smaller masses, thus relating much better to the sweet historic house that is the primary structure on the lot. And either completely or to some degree with these two alternatives, the historic garage that has been part of this property for so long will continue to be. 
I urge the applicant to rethink this proposal before they commence on a project that I believe will diminish the historic integrity and value of their property. Mr. Chairmeyer, thank you. Is there any other public comment? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. It looks like we have um, someone on Zoom wishing to speak. You can go ahead. Hi, um, my name is Megan Davis and I'm co-owner of 843 New York Street and sitting beside me is Hi. Alicia Sater. <clears throat> We're sorry we can't be there in person. We've had some illness in that, our household this week and didn't think that was gonna be a good idea. Um, so with regard to the existing garage structure, um, that structure has had multiple instances of termite damage, which have attempted to be repaired, but the damage and the repairs are pretty insufficient. And the garage itself is not particularly functional as a garage for a car. Um, so that is the reason why we um, had hoped to be able to demolish the existing garage is just that repeated instances of termite damage and just not very good repairs for that termite damage. And that of course was before we owned this property. Um, and I do understand the public comment concerns about the three car garage and that three car garages are typically more standard in suburban neighborhoods, newer suburban neighborhoods. Um, we do really love this neighborhood and we do really love this property and we do have kind of an alternative family structure. Um, and so in order for us to be able to live in this property long-term, which is what we're both hoping to be able to do, um, we would like to be able to make the property a little bit more functional for our alternative family structure in that Alicia and I are co-owners of the home, but we're not married and we're not partners in that way. Um, but we are raising small children here in this neighborhood. And we're, we have two small children right now, we could potentially have another child. Um, so, you know, we wanna be able to be a part of this community for a really long time. And we wanna be able to contribute to this community in a positive way. Um, and raise the kids here right in this community, um, which I think is offers a lot of value. But in order for an alternative style family like ours to make these properties functional over a long term, like as our kids become teenagers, um, we would like to be able to have some leeway to make some changes that just allow the property to be functional for that type of alternative family structure. And I do think that, you know, there are more alternative family structures popping up um, in our community all the time. Is there anything else? That was very well said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we maintain our property. Uh, we try to be a really positive influence in the neighborhood. We've developed relationships with quite a few of our neighbors. And I think those relationships have been congenial. Um, I try to be active in the community and the neighborhood association. Um, and 
we absolutely want to be positive contributors to this community um, and, you know, really don't want to have to look at selling our property because it doesn't work as our kids get older. Uh, this is Chair Meyer. Thank you for your comments. Um, Commissioner Klein, you had your hand up. Uh, Commissioner Klein, I had a question for you. Um, what is the rationale or the reason why you need the studio, the second story studio space to be as tall as it is? You know, I, I suppose with regard to the height, um, if there are ways that the uh, planner and us can can work that out, you know, that's something we could certainly look at. Because Alicia and I are not married and we're not intimate partners. Um, and we do have two boys right now who are gonna be teenagers in just a few years. Our house is a three bedroom house. Um, and I don't know that two teenage boys are gonna wanna share a room. Um, through high school, right? And then if we do decide to add a, thir a third child to our family structure, which is something that we have been talking about, um, that's, you know, gonna put additional strain on um, the original existing home structure. So the reason we were hoping to have a garage that had a studio type situation above it is because Frankly, I'll probably have to be kicked out of the main structure at some point, um, just so that it, that the property can fit us as our kids grow up. This is Chairmeyer again. Um, I don't think there's any other public comment on the on this item, so I guess I'll bring it back to the commission for discussion. Commissioner Coleman, I have a question. Um, I'm trying to figure out, I, I think I heard someone say that the proposed structure would be a couple feet shorter than the house on the property. But what is the comparison, does anyone know, to the commercial building to the west or to the south? Mr. Chairmeyer, Joy, if you look at um, page 14 of the, I think it's 14 of the agenda. There is a site plan that so shows it from above the existing house, the new garage, the commercial building um, to the west. Yes, I see that. If that's helpful at all. Um, I was looking for the height mm -hmm. of those buildings. Mm -hmm. Maybe Megan Brewey knows something about that? I No, I don't have the heights of those buildings. Um, the one to the south of uh, the property, uh, 843 New York, is two stories tall. And the, the plumbing building uh, to the west of the property um, looks like it's like a story and a half tall. But I don't know the actual heights. Okay, I think that's important uh, because of the position of this structure being so close to those uh, commercial structures. I think it's important to consider that because it's not like it's sitting in the middle of the alley block. It's more, you know, it's right next to those tall, taller commercial structures, but I don't know that they're taller. 
Yeah, Commissioner Johnson, page eight at least has the photos of those other structures. It's hard to tell the height of the the one, but the one on the right, you can kind of get a sense. So perhaps it's taller than the eve of the, um, what is that, a plumbing building? Yeah. But not as tall as, tall as the larger commercial structure. Well, and this is Commissioner Johnson, and this might be a, a question for the, the architect or the applicant. The actually the garage is being shown as a six car garage. <laughs> so um, my my technical question is, what's up with that? <laughs> I like cars. <laughs> I like cars, and I want to buy a whole bunch of cars, <laughs> antique cars, yeah, in particular. Cars. Yeah. Uh, so I wondered if there was a car collection involved yeah. here. Yeah. Well, not yet, but I'm hoping soon. <laughs> ah. Yes. And and um and maybe because you're car collectors, maybe you know uh, can tell me about the lifts and using those. How easy or difficult are they to to use getting the cars in and out and that kind of thing? Um, I, I just did a quick internet search on it, so I'm not all that familiar with them, but, um, of course you'd have to, if you're using it to bring down the top car, you'll have to move out the bottom car. But it just seems like you push a button on the left and it'll bring it down. Okay. Yeah. As long as there's not a car underneath it. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, Commissioner Coleman, I am inclined to agree on the phase one that it is appropriate. And I'm not so sure that phase two is not appropriate because of its location and adjacency to the, the public buildings. And then just north of the plumbing building is a two-story multifamily. Um, so it... While it is tall, and I wonder how that relates to the plumbing building, um, it doesn't seem to be too far off of being compatible with, with the context area, in my opinion. Yeah. But. Well, and this is Commissioner Johnson. I, this, the structure as a, as a whole with the essentially the 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 two car garage bay and then the one car garage bay um that size and that the way it's being shown as 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 a box with um vertical siding um is making it seem very suburban and out of place um, and gosh, I keep thinking of if that mass were broken up um, almost to where you have a one car garage that um, 
is is a is a smaller, more typical garage you would find in this neighborhood. And then a, the other accessory structure have the apartment on top and a garage underneath that it's the all being like one massive building is what's um, standing out at the moment. Megan may know better, but I don't know if there's enough space for that. And we have to give the neighbors a three foot easement. So it, it limits how, it, I think it limits the site, what, what you would be discussing there. I'm not quite for sure, but. Yeah, and I think certainly, again, we don't want to disrupt the neighborhood. That's not our intention. We want to be a part of this neighborhood and we want to be a part of this neighborhood, at least through our kids growing up. Um, so as far as like the type of siting that's used on the outside of the house, um, if there is some changes we can make on those types of things mm -hmm. to make that structure fit a little bit more aesthetically with um, how other people view this neighborhood, I, I'm, cert I'm certain both of us are yeah. completely open to exploring those types of options. But I agree with Alicia, since we do have to provide that, so that commercial structure that's mm -hmm. to the south of us, um, we do have to provide them with a three foot easement. Um, so I think that when you factor in like the three foot easement and sort of the other things that about, you can't just build the property right at the property line, right? Um, it might be difficult to break that up into two separate structures. Well, and, and I may be violating some zoning code as well. So I, <laughs> I don't want to get us into trouble that way. Those apparently can be thrown out at a whim. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can get skip permission. Uh, sorry, this is Chair Meyer again. Um, I guess I'm going to be devil's advocate for a minute about the project, which, I mean, it it concerns me that we're putting the garage in for the purpose of putting all these cars in. And um, while I empathize, I guess, with the family situation, I mean, I have three teenage sons myself, so, I mean, I, I get all this. Um, but one of the things that I, I aim for when I'm making votes on the commission is the... Uh, the examples we give to future applicants who come forward because everybody who comes in has reasons for their changes to the property that fits their lifestyle. No matter what their lifestyle is, they want that. And I also think particularly in this area, which I think will become an up and coming area for people to live and remodel the houses that um, when we start taking down accessory structures, which are to some degree still still feasible at standing, um, which I don't have an I, I don't have an objection to that being taken down now. I just want to make that clear. But and we're putting in three car plus garages, that's something that I think people will look at and want to do in the future. I mean, I that is parking is always an issue in this mm -hmm. neighborhood, in Old West Lawrence, the Oriad neighborhood. Um, and when we look at how big the garage is, I think was pointed out by Dennis um, earlier, compared to the property, that's significant. Um, mm -hmm. If the, the staff report recommends phase one and 
generally, I, I think the staff thoroughly reviews this and I'm okay with it. I mean, it seems to me that it's more about the car space than about the phase two to the project. And I'm, to be honest, I'm a little bit confused as to why there's an issue with the meeting room in the house, why it's not an addition to the house versus this phase two to the garage. But in any event, um, this is a very long-winded way of saying I'm probably in favor of phase one, but I would probably go along with staff's recommendations about phase two for me personally. Well, and kind of piggybacking off of that, um, if we're the phase phase one um, is so suburban and and not as um, in keeping with even a a folk more farmhouse style of home that that I would I would even want phase one to have some things that make it more like the structure that is being taken down. Um, and that and so phase one, I would prefer something like that. And then phase two, I actually don't have I don't have heartache with an uh, a unit above if it was something more like a two-car garage it's the it's then adding mass on top of mass that's the problem with phase two but if it overall was smaller the apartment makes more sense and kind of to the chair's point um a and speaking as someone who grew up with someone who had a car collection there are other places that you can store a car collection um uh like self-storage places and things that would make it to where this doesn't have to be as big uh commissioner holly i'll just comment that i can kind of agree we, and we can only address what we're we have to look at, but if it were taller and narrower, my opinion might be different than the completed phase two of both tall and wide. It's um, a good way of putting it. To Commissioner Coleman's point, I don't think I'll just say I don't have enough information currently to to be in favor of the part two. What are the heights of existing? That's not a, in the presence of more information, my opinion might be changed. It does seem a little large. Um, I mean, this is a significant house size structure for a cool hobby, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. for a really cool hobby, but we all want things for our own particular reasons. Um, I think I'd, I would be in support of phase one as proposed myself. So. 
Mr. Chair Meyer, I think we're coming to the point in the evening where we take a vote <laughs> or a motion, make somebody make a motion. You do something. No more discussion. Is it possible to make a motion that approves phase one and sends phase two to ARC? Yes, I believe so. I don't have all the words for that. <laughs> like you said earlier. Uh, Let me try to make up for her faux pas earlier. Um, I think I have it in front of me. I would move uh, in accordance with chapter two of the Code of City of Lawrence that the standards of evaluation find that the proposed project for phase one will not significantly encroach on damage or destroy the landmarks or their environments and issue the certificate of appropriateness for the proposed phase one project. Okay, is there a second? Commissioner Coleman, I second. Okay, there's been a motion and a second. We'll take a roll call vote. Commissioner Johnson? Commissioner Johnson, no. Commissioner Ezell? Commissioner Ezell, yes. Commissioner Klein? Commissioner Klein, yes. Commissioner Coleman? Commissioner Coleman, aye. Commissioner Holly? Commissioner Holly, aye. Commissioner Meyer is an aye. So that motion carries uh, five to one. <clears throat> And I'm, I'm sorry. I I was getting background noise about whether my dog was missing in the meantime. Did you did you? <laughs> I can't remember. Did you say something about sending the other part to HRC or ARC? Not yet. Not yet. But I could make that motion now if you like. So Commissioner Klein uh, moves. I have to get the language here. Moves that. Um, for phase two to be in accordance with chapter two of the code of the city of Lawrence, that we propose that this project go to the architectural review committee for a redesign so that it will not encroach on the landmarks or the environments environs um, for the phase two proposed project. Mr. Chair Myers, our second. Commissioner Coleman, I second. Uh, this is Chair Meyer, there's been a motion and a second. We'll take a roll call vote. Commissioner Johnson? Commissioner Johnson, yes. Commissioner Ezell? Commissioner Ezell, yes. Commissioner Klein? Commissioner Klein, aye. Commissioner Coleman? Commissioner Coleman, aye. Commissioner Holly? Uh, Commissioner Holly, aye. And Commissioner Myers, an aye. So that motion carries six to zero. Lynn, do you want to? Say anything about the ARC? Typically, the ARC meets on the first Thursday of the month, but we'll work with the applicant to see if we can schedule a time that meets everyone's schedule. Okay, this is Chair Meyer. Thank you very much. Good luck on that project, and we may see you again soon. Thank you all very much. We appreciate your time. 
Okay, this is Chair Meyer. We'll move on then to our next public hearing item, which is DR 23-00039-718 Ohio Street. This is 718 Ohio Street. It's an, an addition to an existing structure that's a contributing structure to the Old West Lawrence Historic District, which is listed in the National Register of Historic Places. Sorry, now I'm going <laughs> with the help from my friends. So this is a state law review. So this is showing the project location here in the light blue color. The red color you see is the Old West Lawrence Historic District. This is the existing structure. We'll walk around very quickly. This is the west elevation. And then looking at that south side. Going around to the other side. Showing the side in the rear and then showing the rear where the addition would be. And another view of that rear where the addition would be. This is a site plan showing a 461 square foot addition with a 164 square foot screened in porch. The area right here is, oops, sorry, is the screened in porch. And then the addition is in the dark bolded line. There is an existing garage here that um, has recently been rehabilitated and was a tax credit project. These are the elevations showing the proposed addition. This is the original house here to the left, and then the addition is to the right. This would be the screened-in porch area. This is showing the opposite side with this being the addition, and you can see the screen porch addition sticking out just a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, this is Commissioner Johnson. Lynn, this is, it's the top and the bottom are like, the images are sort of flip-flopped. Right, this would be the oh, south elevation. I, okay. And then this is the north elevation. Yeah. And the screened-in porch on the top is where, and then the screened-in porch on the- This top. is the screened-in porch as shown on the south elevation. Okay. And then back here, you Thank can see you. it. Thank you, okay. And this is showing that west elevation, I'm sorry, the east elevation of the structure. This is the screened in porch, and then this would be the addition. Staff is recommending that in accordance with the Secretary of the Interior standards, the standards of evaluation that you approve the project and make the determination that the project does not damage or destroy any historic property included in the National Register of Historic Places or the State Register of Historic Places. And with that, I'd be happy to stand for any questions you may have. Mr. Meyer, thank you. Um, is there any, is the applicant present? Yes, uh, my name is Ali Phillips. This is my husband, Tim Phillips, and we are owners of that property. Okay, you're welcome to make comment if you like, but you're not required to. No, I would just like to say thank you for considering our application. We really appreciate staff's time to thoroughly review our project, and we hope that you consider their recommendation of approval and approve it based, based on that. We're excited about um, 
creating a great space in Old West Lawrence that we believe really fits the character and nature of that neighborhood. Thank you. Chair Meyer, thank you. Uh, is there any public comment on this item? This is Avery Kerner planning staff. It doesn't look like there's any public comment on this item. Mr. Chair Meyer, then we'll bring it back to the commission for discussion. Uh, Commissioner Coleman, it appears, am I reading this right, that the, the addition is rather small when it's above the ground, but it includes quite a good sized basement. Yes, that's how I'm reading it. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> Making sure I got that. I think it's uh, innovative to put this, a space tucked under the, the first floor. I have to admit a twinge of jealousy that there's a tabletop arcade game in the basement <laughs> rec room. Yes. Uh, this is Chair Meyer. I would just like to say, I think this is a, a good example of an addition to a smaller property um, in Old West Lawrence. Um, so I like it. I think it's a what to do. This is Commissioner Johnson. Are we ready for a motion? I would certainly entertain that. Okay. Um, Commissioner Johnson, um, I move for approval of the project in accordance with the Secretary of the Interior Standards, the standards of evaluation, and determine that the project does not damage or destroy any historic property included in the National Register of Historic Places or the State Register of Historic Places, Register of Historic Kansas Places. Second, Commissioner Hall. Mr. Chair Meyer, there's been a motion and a second, so we'll go ahead and take a roll call vote. Commissioner Johnson. Commissioner Johnson, yes. Commissioner Ezell. Commissioner Ezell, yes. Cool project. <laughs> Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein, yes. Commissioner Coleman. Commissioner Coleman, aye. Commissioner Hawley. Commissioner Hawley, aye. And Commissioner Myers and aye, so that motion carries six to zero. So this has been like the McDonald's drive through tonight. So good luck with your project. We'll look forward to seeing the result. Thank you all. We really appreciate it. Hopefully construction will start in June. So okay, and take a peek. <laughs> Thanks everyone. And special shout out to Mike Myers. Thanks, Mike. All right. Good night, everyone. All right. Thank you. Okay. This is Chair Meyer again. Uh, we will move on to... Uh, fourth item on the agenda this evening, which is DR 23-00007-822 Rhode Island Street. So this is 822 Rhode Island Street. It was at your February meeting and was sent to the Architectural Review Committee. Um, the primary structure is a non-contributing structure to the North Rhode Island Street Historic Residential District. The accessory structure is a contributing structure to the district. This was for demolition of the primary structure. The accessory structure is being rehabilitated. This shows the project location outlined in the light blue here. The red you see is the North Rhode Island Street Historic District. 
This is the existing structure that would be demolished and showing the rear of that structure. The applicant worked with the architecture review committee and I'll let the architecture review committee say anything that they might want to, but the renderings that are in your packet are the result of that meeting. There have been quite a few changes. I'll let the applicant go over those, but you'll notice that the massing is broken up into two pieces with like a hyphen connector between the two. There's a front porch roof going across the property. Um, we'll walk around. The brick has changed. The windows have changed. This is looking at that side. The side fenestration has changed to where it lines up more. This is probably the most noticeable change from when you last saw the project, the windows aligned to break up that mass on the side. And there's this little bay projection. This is showing that side. And this is showing the rear of the structure. There was also discussion about the carport at your last meeting and staff would recommend that you separate the carport out for a separate vote and vote on the demolition and new construction of the primary structure and take the carport up as a separate item. Staff has feel strongly that the carport introduces a new form into the district that does not currently exist. Carports are not typical for historic districts and certainly do not exist in this National Register Historic District. And with that, I'd be happy to stand for any questions you might have. Okay, this is Chair Meyer, um, the applicant present this evening. Well, and this, can I, this is Commissioner Johnson, can I ask um, staff a question first? Yes. Um, so the the difference in the suburban looking garage in the previous application and the carport in this one is that this is a national register district. That's correct. This Thank is you. a national register district. Thank you. Sorry, this is Chair Meyer again. Is the applicant present this evening? Yes. Okay, sorry. Maybe you said that and I just didn't hear that, so. Good evening again, commissioners. Um, just first would like to say thank you to Lynn and the ARC commissioners. Um, I think that we had a good session and we worked through some changes and I was able to keep one horizontal window on, on, the, on the north side and um, but I, I think what we've done here is, you know, we we have made it better. Um, you know, we we've articulated the windows a little bit differently on the south and north side. We've we've created kind of front porch element. Uh, we've been able to keep kind of some of the features that uh, the owner, uh, the builder, developer wants. To create. Um, we've got uh, a solid. Um, would like to keep port if we could. Uh, that given the size of the lot, um, you know, we could easily take you know and close that, but keep as much open as possible. Uh, you know, one thought maybe, well, maybe I don't want to pitch 
but maybe we could move that much from down the alley and, and drop it in there. But um, no, I, I think we'd like to keep that that carport if, if we could. It does serve, uh, you know, one of the design features of that carport um, is to do solar. Uh, so we've, you know, it gives us a little bit more opportunity to get to get more roof by doing a single slope um, carport. Um, we did remove, you know, the solar panels from the main structure, so uh, that would be one benefit to keeping the carport and the single slope um, to it. So, um, you know, we did, I guess, from that last middle, we did move that building forward so it aligns with the buildings to the north and the south. So we get kind of that same repetition of the houses uh, lining up along New Hampshire or Rhode Island, uh, excuse me. Um, so that did give us a little bit more space, but you know, I, I think that having that extra space, having the carport there, uh, you know, it'll make for a great little backyard for you know the people that, that live there. So, um, so happy to uh, answer any questions or address any comments. This is Shermeyer. Thank you. Um, is there any public comment on this item? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. There is no public comment on this item. Okay, this is Jeremiah again, then we'll bring it back uh, to the commission for discussion. To be honest, I meant to compare and contrast that with the plans from last time and I did not do that. Uh, Commissioner Coleman, we can give you a recap. But I, I do like, I mean, I do like the front elevation better, I can say that. Part of the ARC uh, meeting, we discussed the number of materials and what those materials are on the exterior um, and moved toward more lap siding, which is consistent with the district. Um, some brick and some stucco. And those materials were applied to, like Lynn said, create a hyphen between the two, um, the two masses and to accentuate a front element um, and to accentuate elements on the side of the building to break up the mass. And that was done, I think, pretty consistently with some other homes in the in the district. As Appling had already mentioned, there was some significant simplification of the window forms, and most notably, um, the front entry removal of the balcony um, did a lot to bring it in keeping with the vibe of the neighborhood. This is Jeremiah. Our... Uh, those of you who are members of the ARC, do you think this final result is acceptable to you? Yes. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about the carport at the moment, but did that alleviate all of your concerns? It did. For me, it did. I'd, I'd be in support of the primary structure.
This is Commissioner Klein. When I, in my, um, again, I don't know the architectural sides of things, but when I simply look at the image of the building, it, it, it just strikes me as incredibly modern. Um, but I understand what you're saying about the, um, the kinds of materials that would be used and the, some of the lines that have been changed in the windows and so forth. So I'm going to stretch my imagination and believe that. <laughs> And just to clarify, I didn't, I don't think anyone on the ARC would make a statement that this is a reproduction historicist home. That wasn't the challenge and that's not what's given here. It's to try to fit within the context of historic um, through different types of articulation and volume. It is not, the applicant to put words in his mouth, but I bet he'll shake his head is not trying to duplicate a historic structure, but be respectful of a historic structure, which are distinct aims, ones for replication and one is compatibility. Um, they're not necessarily the same thing. Correct. And it's, I think, honestly, it's harder to be compatible and not duplicate the uh, historic structure. I think it's easier to duplicate, but I don't believe that the standards would allow for that to be, to happen unless we were duplicating a structure that was in that position and we were, um, you know, he was rebuilding it. Lynn, is there cheat sheet language in here? It's if you go to the staff report. Oh, you don't have, there isn't one. <laughs> would it be, oh, this is Chair Meyer, would it be something like, in accordance with the Secretary of the Interior Standards, standards of evaluation, approve the project, make the determination that, doesn't, uh, that the project doesn't damage or destroy any historic property, I don't know, in the district? Included in the National Register of Historic Places or the State Register of Historic Places. All right, what I said included in the National Register of Historic Places or the State Register of Historic Places. I'll make that as a motion as to this primary structure. So is there a second? Seconded. This is Chair Meyer. Sorry, Mr. Holly, I didn't mean to take that the wind out of your sails with that. <laughs> um, there's been a motion and a second. We'll take a vote on the primary structure, which is Commissioner Johnson. <laughs> I can come back to you if you like. Uh, well, Commissioner Johnson, yes. <laughs> Commissioner Ezell. Commissioner Ezell, aye. Commissioner Klein. Klein, aye. Commissioner Coleman. Commissioner Coleman, aye. Commissioner Holly. Commissioner Holly, aye. Commissioner Meyer is an aye, so that motion carries six to zero. <clears throat> now, discussion about the carport. Um, I will just say I, I, I'm inclined to follow the staff's recommendations about the carport 
only because I'm not willing to create that as a new standard in the district myself, but that's my two cents. Commissioner Coleman, um, do you feel like, why do you feel like it would create it as a standard in the district? I don't, you know, this, I've only I, been on the commission for a few months, I, so. I shouldn't say standard. I don't want to create a precedent. I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to create a precedent of having carports when that's not something that is, is typical. I guess, I think it's probably the lawyer in me that I always think about precedents when people come forward and they say, you know, look at that project over there. They just had one. And then it's, it, 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 it picks up steam. Well, and this is Commissioner Johnson. This may be a, a, a question for, for those that have been on the commission for a while and for staff is, to, to me, this doesn't necessarily look like a carport. It looks more like a pergola or something like that, that someone is parking a car under. Um, so if it was something like a pergola, but without a car, would that be okay? Commissioner Coleman, I was thinking a similar thought, but I was thinking of it in terms of um, art, an art form, and its reversibility because it is a simple structure. So I don't know. That's a that's the question I had too. Well, and if also it was something else, would it still be unacceptable? Yeah. And what if it was just a structure? for solar panels. An art piece for solar panels. <laughs> uh, Commissioner Klein, I have a, a neighbor with a large barn shed that has a smaller kind of a lean-to, I, I call it a lean-to, um, that is used to shelter the lawnmower. Um, so as, as you're discussing, I think we can play around with definitions. I'm not sure if it really changes anything in terms of the design concept, because it would still be large enough to put a car under, you know, under it. So I don't know. We're on yeah. slopes here. Yeah. Yeah, Commissioner Holly, as someone who lives in this neighborhood, across from an alley from a carport mm -hmm. that is not a historic carport, it looks a lot like a carport when there's a car under it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Mrs. Chairmeyer, and quite frankly, I'm not, I'm personally not persuaded by the idea of having it because it allows more solar panels. I mean, I just, people can come up with creative ways to, to add things on and I, I, that, that doesn't persuade me personally. But. Okay, uh, Commissioner Holly, this is Lynn, a, a question uh, and not asking for this, but for off-the-cuff interpretations. So I agree it's not it's it's not a common form. I personally, and I my personal belief isn't what this is about, like carports and solar, because they're light and open, where unlike say the another project we might have seen where you have enclosed building mass, this still has a sense of the historic there's a yard, even if there is paving, you can visually, there's more visual 
seeing through. Would this, if instead of a carport, if it were a second enclosed hmm. single car garage, would that, so it would be a historically compatible form of similar area. Right, accessory structures yeah. of that form and type exist. And, and, and this is a National Register of Historic Places District. This is not an environment review. Yeah, yeah, I know it's so, so stringent. You know, it's it's the most stringent review we have in carports. I think um, they're not a form that exists in the historic district. I don't personally think that it's a form that you want to introduce into the district without realizing that not all carports will be architect designed. Sure. Hey, can I just real quick? I, um, you know, I, I, as Jay mentioned, you know, this is really kind of, we want to keep it open in area back there. You know, we already have a pretty significantly sized structure. We want to keep, you know, the existing contributing structure. Um, you know, we didn't want to decimate that yard. Um, you know, what we've done, and, it, and I, I don't want to portray the reason that we have a carport is for, you know, solar. Um, I think that, you know, that did integrate into the design, um, you know, we want to do something really interesting and compatible and good for the neighborhood and for, you know, the new owners. What we've proposed here is, you know, a, a concrete breeze block wall that is on that south side. So there is some sort of kind of sense of enclosure. Um, we do have, you know, some columns out there. I think the other benefit of the carport, um, I had one at my house next on my garage. And so I'm, I am partial because it is just a great space to go hang out. I would probably say that the car was only parked under the carport when it was snowing or the storm was coming or hail. But otherwise, you know, we would have to grill out there and it was, you know, so I, I do think that it is also kind of multi-purpose structure in that sense. And that, you know, it is akin to, you know, pergola. Um, but I think as, you know, for the saleability of, you know, the project, we wanted to provide that shelter instead of, you know, a second garage. Um, you know, we could easily do, you know, a, a big garage. Um, that would be you know on the backside, but I you know I, that that would probably eliminate you know the ability to keep that existing uh, contributing garage. You know, we could probably pick it up, turn it around, and you know spend a lot of money to integrate that. But um, that was kind of the reason why we went this direction with the carport. So um, just some additional thoughts for your consideration. Thank you. Well, and this is Commissioner Johnson. I would, um, I would not want to set a precedent of um, allowing carports in a national district. Um, I do, however, think that this sort of structure is appropriate as that it is reminiscent of a pergola 
and a sheltered patio outdoor space and has the added benefit of solar panels and that that's what if that set a precedent of that I wouldn't have as much heartache but if it set a precedent of ordinary um, carports simply as a carport I wouldn't want that and I and I don't know if there's a way around that. I I also am wondering if we we say no to this, does it just go to the city council and they say yes? Mr. Chairmeyer, I mean, I, they can appeal that. I I personally am not concerned about whether or not it would be overturned or not by the city commission. Um, I mean, my charge is just to protect the historic district. I think what Lynn said is it's the most stringent <clears throat> standard that we're talking about with this type of a district. So um, Lynn, what I was gonna ask is if someone wanted to put a covered patio in, would they have to come before the HRC? If it required a building permit, they would have to come before the HRC. For a so, national historic <clears throat> Right, and so, you know, if somebody to were to do something like that, they would still have review. That doesn't mean it would be approved if it was called something else either. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, it's all well and good that we're talking about this project now, but in six months or two years, somebody's driving around, wants to put in a junky carport, they're not gonna know the depth of the discussion that we had this evening. They're just gonna go, somebody's parked their car over there, so I'm putting up my carport. So I that's I guess that's why I'm conservative on my thinking like that. Would anyone care to make a motion one way or the other? <laughs> Um, Commissioner Klein, again, I believe we need some appropriate language <laughs> that we don't have in front of us here. I mean, I could just swing it and say, uh, I move that we not approve the proposed carport for this particular project as it would encroach upon um, both a national and a state register of registers of historic places if that's a sufficient motion. Is there a second? I'll second that. <clears throat> There's been a motion and a second. <clears throat> so we'll go ahead and take a roll call vote. Commissioner Johnson. This is a motion to deny the carport. Let me make that clear. <clears throat> Commissioner Johnson. Commissioner Johnson, yes. Commissioner Zell. Commissioner Zell, aye. Commissioner Klein. Mr. Klein, aye. Commissioner Coleman. Commissioner Coleman, nay. Commissioner Holly. Commissioner Holly, 
an extremely reserved eye exclusively because of the precedent reasons that have been mentioned, not because of the design. Mm -hmm. And Commissioner Meyer is, is also an eye. So the motion carries uh, five to one to deny the carport. So just so we're clear about that. Okay, uh, we will now move on. We are we have uh, one more item on the public hearing portion of our agenda, which is the chapter 22 revisions, which I might add seems like a mean thing to do to put this at the end of uh, an already lengthy agenda, but go ahead. Lynn. So bear with me while I look for it. Bert, do you know where it is? There we go. So while the man behind the curtain figures this out for me because I'm technology challenged. Um, we've been talking about the revisions to chapter 22 for several months now and trying to move incrementally and hopefully we'll have a good robust discussion this evening about context reviews. Um, it was one of the most um, commented portion when we had our public meetings for chapter 22. There was considerable amount of people who thought the more administrative reviews, the better, that it helped the process, it helped people through the process in a more timely manner. There were also concerns about having context reviews being all administrative um, because it takes out the public process. It takes out um, opportunity for the ARC to work on projects that are of a large scale. So, and I think you've had some of those letters in your packet. So just to briefly look at, if I can scroll down a little bit, this may take a while. This is gonna take a while. So I'll keep talking while I do it. So in the proposed revision, um, to chapter 22, like I said, staff recommended that all context reviews, which context takes the place of environs reviews, it's for projects within 250 feet of a property listed in the Lawrence Register, um, that all of those reviews would be done at administrative level. And then if for some reason the project did not meet the standards, and we talked a little bit about standards last month, um, if it didn't meet the standards, then it would go or come to the full Historic Resources Commission. So let me see if I can find my place. But either way, it would be on the consent agenda. It would, it would come to the commission on consent agenda like your environs reviews do now. And the HRC has the right to remove it from the consent agenda and discuss it. The HRC can remove it from the agenda and discuss it, but once the approval is given, it would be more like a staff don't do this anymore 
um, kind of thing other than you can't take that approval back. So. Um, probably something I should have pointed out earlier was um, we did several different types of review tonight. So it's important to recognize that this is only for chapter 22 reviews for the local review. It would not have come into play like with the last item you had, which was a national register state law review. So this is only for those local reviews. Let me get to... Okay, so this is the section 22504 that talks about uh, context areas and it being um, done by the historic resources administrator or designee. And then um, if it doesn't meet the standards, then it would come to the full historic resources commission. Like I said, we had quite a bit of public comment on wanting more projects to be administrative to make um, review times uh, shorter and also to have more um, back and forth with staff and not have to wait that month to come to the Historic Resources Commission. Um, but then again, we did have individuals who thought that um, taking all those, all those reviews, all those context reviews to an administrative level um, did take away from that public review. And also the point was brought out that it might place a burden on staff um, who would have that responsibility to make all those reviews. And hopefully staff will always be as competent as I am. <laughs> Just kidding. Mr. Meyer, I heartily agree with that. <laughs> um, but you, you do have changes in staff that might have an impact on those um, administrative reviews. And then I would like since um, this is a public hearing item. I'd stand for any questions that you might have right now. And then I know Lawrence Preservation Alliance submitted some comments that were in your packet and they specifically have comments about administrative reviews and the context areas. So we'd like the opportunity for them to discuss that with you as well. This is Chair Meyer. Uh, is there a public comment on this item? Uh, Dennis Brown, Lawrence Preservation Alliance. I just think Mike and I just want to make sure that you guys got our most recent um, uh, letter to you, uh, where it's really the same as our first document that we sent three or four months ago, but it just kind of takes our reasonings out and just has our proposed changes, and it's in more in sequence too, which we thought might be easier for you to to uh, uh, determine if you wanted to um, agree or move on. But so we start at 22501, uh, where we're uh, talking about changing that definition of the 250 foot uh, environs that it, it changed from just getting onto the property to actually touching a structure or a proposed structure on the property. And then 22504, which uh, Lynn was just talking about, we uh, wrote a second letter 
which we've incorporated into this new document where we tried to, um, uh, we, we thought that Stan raised some legitimate comments on having everything be uh, done by staff. So uh, what we've proposed is that, uh, well, the current language is to be eligible for a certificate of approval. And then we add issued by the historic administrator here under, in addition to being a project of a type specified on the list of projects eligible for administrative approval authorized by the Historic Resources Commission. So what we're proposing is a Historic Resources Commission would come up with a list of things that you guys want to see, like, uh, and it, like, say, just throwing out a fairly easy one, a demolition, like we had uh, in the earlier uh, agenda item tonight, a demolition in a context area, that might be one where you guys would want to say, hey, we want to look at that. Uh, we still think, LPA thinks, that the more administrative approvals we can do in context areas, the better. But there needs to be some kind of list that gives the administrator direction on what to go ahead and do and, and oh no, this fits on the list where HRC wants to see this item. That was our attempt to try to address that. Have, do you guys, can you, do you all have this? Okay, good. So I won't ramble on, but we're here for questions and we have other comments as well that we're hoping that you'll incorporate. Uh, Commissioner Coleman, I have a question. On the, on the context review, um, I think you wrote down, you added of any structure or footprint of a proposed addition lying in whole or in part within 250 feet of the landmark or historic district. I was thinking I love that because it's silly when just uh, a little bit of that context area bubble hits the edge of the property and then that has to be reviewed. But then I was thinking how, when it comes down to um, a new building or a, an addition that just barely touches that arc, um, how do you take the measurement? Who takes the measurement? How, um, how do you, how do you, I can see in the future that kind of a argument being made saying, well, it's taken from the center of the mass of the structure or from the edge of the furthest projecting eave. Um, it's taken as the crow flies or actually from the eave down to the <laughs> edge of the new. I mean, how do you measure and should we define that? Do, do you think that is important? I think uh, this is going back maybe three or four meetings, but it seems like there was some uh, discussion about how that 250 foot radius is actually uh, determined. And it, was it just a GPS map or something? GIS map takes yeah. parcel and draws a 250 foot boundary from that parcel. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's from the parcel line of the listed property or the, or the district? The listed property or the district boundary. District boundary. Yes, and then wherever it falls on the property in question would be how you determine if it's under review or not, because that line would hit on the property. It's not going to move or be argued where it is. We know where it is because of the GS, 
GIS map. Um, but then if the proposed project has an addition that falls a centimeter short, it's they're okay, they're good to go. We don't have to look at it. It's kind of occurred to me that somebody could say, oh, I think I'll make my addition like two feet shorter. But, you know, well, then you're two feet further away from the listed property. So, hey, we'll take it. Thank you. What we're trying to do is, um, you know, we're here enough that it's easy for us to put ourselves in commissioner's shoes. And we know that there's things that come up that rile folks up and you guys catch some flack for it. And we think that uh, if if a corner of a building or a proposed building just barely gets in the environs and an applicant is up here complaining about that, that's easier for you to defend than them coming up and say the corner of uh, the city easement on my property where there's some grasses in the environs. So that's why I'm here. So I think it's a way to kind of make things a little easier for HRC to defend. Follow-up question. And I think the way you're describing it makes sense. Pick a, you got to pick a rule. But so the rule of the property A is different than property B, right? The historic property are taking 250 feet from the lot. Oh. Whatever's within that. You're saying where the, the 250 foot determination would start at the historic property? That's how it's rather than, or that's how you work. We're thinking more about the finish. Starts at the parcel and goes 250 feet out. And, and we're sure that, that 250 intersects a building footprint. Mm -hmm. So it's not footprint to footprint, mm -hmm. it's parcel to footprint, mm -hmm. which so long as it's consistently mm -hmm. applied. Yes, and defined. Just, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> and there could be all sorts of good reasons because yeah, and in that 22501, there are additional things that deal with the demolition or various other items where we just, uh, it made more sense to just say to occur in whole or part within 250 feet. So, and we did resend the uh, document where we had uh, put our suggested changes in red in the uh, existing draft so that you can see the context there too. And I think one of the things that I would bring up um, for the commission's consideration and um, part of this discussion would be when we've done environs definitions in the past, um, we've given a lot of um, the projects to staff to do as an administrative approval and the key has always been, except for demolition, new construction, and additions greater than 20% of the existing footprint. Mm -hmm. So that might be something that would be a happy medium between a list that the commission would make or all context reviews being administrative. So that might be another item that you might want to consider. Yeah, and that would be a way... Um, you know, as this draft moves forward and we get into more public comment before the city commission, it would be good to tie up loose ends if we're saying, oh, on that deal, well, the HRC will come up with a list. Probably would be better to have a list in the draft so that people will know what's coming. 
So I like that. I like that idea. Mike Delaney, also from the LPA. Oh, one additional thing in, in this regard, um, it, may, it may be that the list already exists because those are the projects that have been committed to administrative review in the past. The, the idea of, of having this done in the form of a list means that the HRC could add or take away from that without having to go back through the process of revising um, the ordinance. Um, you could just decide, well, we're going to add these kind of projects to the things that are, that are entitled to administrative review, and you can do that uh, without, without tinkering with the whole ordinance. So we thought that was a way of um, uh, you know, being able to short circuit additional changes. If it turns out that there are certain kind of projects that are causing a lot of controversy, and they're ones that right now are committed to administrative review, then maybe the HRC takes those off for the time being. Uh, and then later on, there may be some additional ones that uh, that are routinely uh, coming before the HRC that don't need to, and and you could add those to the list. So, I, I mean, to to Lynn's point, the list may already exist, um, or at least the the initial um, uh, take on the list could exist, uh, and, and it could be handled in that way. Well, and this is Commissioner Johnson. I would think if there was like a, a, a list like that, it, you would need either perhaps in the ordinance to have some guidance on when that list would be reviewed and changed or not, that instead of it just being, yeah, I, I don't know. Would you review the list annually? Yeah, I mean, that's what I, I, I think it, there would need to be some trigger of a review or that something that the list could get changed every month or it could never get changed. I, yeah, I have mixed feelings about how that would actually play out. Is the, the 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 projects that are committed to administrative review now are they spelled out in the historic resources code in any way? Not in the code. They're in environs definitions, and then we have a list with the state historic preservation office for projects that can be reviewed administratively for state law review. But we do not have a list for um, local chapter twenty two review. Well, I, our suggestion was really to try to preserve as much flexibility at the HRC. The, the, the issues, uh, part of the issue was driven by, by Stan Hurley. It's that um, public comment on some of these things has been beneficial in the past um, because it's led to closer scrutiny of projects that needed close scrutiny. Um, and some of those may well be projects that might have been um, in the original uh, iteration of the ordinance that you're looking at now, uh, of the code section you're looking at now, committed to, to administrative review. Um, 
And, and what we thought is um, there's no reason not to have as many things, as many non-controversial things dealt with administratively as possible so that those things aren't on your agenda. But there are some things that um, over time you may decide and, and the, the, the requirement to go back and amend the, the code section to add or take those away is more cumbersome than just by, by HRC action directing the administrator, no, from now on, send all those things to us on, on our regular agenda, not, not administratively. Um, city legal can, uh, can say grace over whether or not there's a, that's inconsistent with the, with the rest of the city code. But this was really to try to preserve as much administrative review um, as made sense and, and dealt with non-controversial kind of issues and still kept the ability of the HRC to say, you know, those kind of projects, probably we ought to be looking at those. They're carports, as an example. Um, uh, you know, maybe carports are on the, we want to talk about those. Uh, they're not on the list. And so they'd have to come forward. That, uh, that, uh, but that was the idea behind the specific language change that we made. And I think I would have to look for it in the code. I don't really see it right offhand what I'm looking at, but we had talked about for properties that are listed, having that type of list that the Historic Resources Commission could make a list of those things that staff could review administratively. So you could do that for context reviews as well. Mm -hmm. Mr. Chairmeyer, was there any other public comment? Ms. Avery Kerner Planning Staff, it doesn't look like there's anyone on Zoom to provide additional comment. Mr. Chairmeyer, thank you. Then we'll bring it back for any other discussion. Well, this is Commissioner Johnson. I, I um, went through just starting from the beginning and went through the, the document and, and have some comments and questions, but I, I don't know whether I should do that here or do I need to get those to staff afterwards or I, I admire Commissioner Klein who did that ahead of time, but I did not. I think staff's goal, since this was the biggest um, dis point of discussion through the public meetings, was to have your feedback on context reviews tonight. Mm -hmm. And then okay. right now, there is nothing scheduled for your April um, Historic Resources Commission meeting. And to go through all your questions and concerns about the rest of the chapter at that meeting and give staff direction on the entire chapter at the April meeting so we could bring it back to you and make okay. for action. Okay. Well, and this is Commissioner Johnson then on the, the topic of the, the administrative 
approval in context areas. Um, I, I wonder if with the change in definition, whether there will be fewer context area reviews, period. Um, I don't, I guess I, I don't like the idea of it just all being administrative, um, but I have misgivings about um, about having a, a list that is that could be changed and amended. Just, I mean, if we just picture some crazy HRC commission <laughs> that just every week they're giving staff conflicting, you know, yes, send us carports next next month. No, don't send us carports, or only if the carport looks like a pergola. No. <laughs> and and then the staff is just from month to month having different guidance and the list is very fluid or the the flip side, a commission that just is like, yeah, whatever, staff, you do it. <laughs> don't know that that's great either. So I, I don't have an answer, but those are my my misgivings and my comments. This is Chair Meyer. Um, I, I guess I did have a, a question, which is the Commissioner Klein's questions in, in the letter that she outlined, did they get answered? Commissioner Klein, um, what happened was uh, Lynn Zollner and I had a separate Zoom meeting and we went through the entire um, my pages and she answered some of them and others um, um, she recommended that I raise uh, before you folks uh, uh, at an uh, HRC meeting. So I wasn't sure if that was going to happen tonight or or on um, in April. So um, so so I have gone through my document again and, and color coded <laughs> what you know. Um, I would like to raise and discuss um, and other things that don't need discussion anymore. Unless you feel that needs a discussion. Unless someone else feels it needs it. So Lynn, is that conversation happening in April? Is that what you're suggesting? The rest of it in April. You guys can give me direction on context area and tonight I could bring that back in April you can have a discussion about the rest of the chapter and then hopefully everything back in May for action this is Abraham oh I'm sorry um I was just going to add uh, to help to clarify um Commissioner Klein um I was really writing my questions from the viewpoint of a novice, which I am. Um, I'm not an architect. I'm not a designer. I'm not a contractor. I, I was reading this, you know, fairly cold. I mean, I read it before I became a commissioner, but I'm still 
trying to memorize and, and I'm still trying to understand it. And so that's where a lot of my questions came is I thought if I were a novice, you know, owner of a house, I wouldn't know where to begin here, you know, I, and, and, and I just had some questions about clarifying things and what is this and what is that and so forth. So, um, so I, that's why I just wanted the rest of the commissioners to uh, read this document in advance and see what they thought. And if there's, um, uh, uh, again, there's some particular topics uh, that I think are more important than others that I would like to discuss at, at greater length in April, if that's okay. Mr. Chairmeyer, that makes sense to me. And if other commissioners want to put together questions uh, like Commissioner Klein did and send those to staff, we can get those posted um, with your April agenda and also have some responses from staff to those questions that you may have. So you would have that all available in April. Mr. Chairmeyer, okay. Is there anything else that you want from us this evening? You want more commentary about what you just outlined? Um, what staff is looking for this evening is direction to staff with the verbiage to bring back to you in April about context reviews. Do you want it to include the LPA language um, buying in whole or in part within 250 feet of the landmark or historic district? which staff supports and thinks that's a good change. Do you want it to uh, be a list for context reviews? Do you want it to be all administrative reviews? Do you want it to be all administrative reviews except for new construction, demolition, and additions greater than 20% or second story additions? Chair, this, this is April. Sorry, uh, Chair, this is Abraham from planning staff. Um, when it's appropriate, I think we have another uh, public comment. Uh, so just wanted to put that out there. Okay, uh, Mr. Chairman, Commissioner Klein, did you wanna make a comment or do you wanna yes, wait? I'm, Commissioner Klein, I'm, I'm trying to understand. I mean, I know what you mean by context area, but I don't know which part of the document you're talking about. I don't know which articles and, and which paragraphs you're referring to when you talk about you'd like direction about the context review. That's because that, that's part of what I was doing as, as I was searching through the, the whole document, trying to figure out which pieces of the language, which in which articles, which numbers um, you wanted direction on from us. It's in article five, 22-501, when a certificate is required. Under C, that's uh, uh, language from LPA that includes lying in whole or in part within 250 feet of the landmark or historic district. And then if you scroll down to um, 22.504 is determination by historic resources administrator in context areas. Again, Commissioner Klein, because in, in my um, tome or my memo, whatever you call it, I just recommended um, accepting uh, LPA's uh, language. Um, I know we haven't technically voted on that per se, but um, that would be my recommendation. This is Chair Meyer. Uh, is it, did you say there was additional public comment? 
Yes, we've got one more uh, item. Yeah. yeah I, I apologize for doing this um, so, sort of in a haphazard way. We, we had made one other uh, suggestion with respect to context reviews on um, uh, uh, the height of structures um, within a context area. It was a tweak to the language that uh, that the staff had proposed. Um, we, in kicking it around among ourselves, uh, when it talked about the average height, you might well have a situation where there was a, a church with a tall steeple or one particularly tall building. And because we're now talking about the, the context, that is the visual context, uh, we, we thought it might be more appropriate to evaluate height along that same 250-foot line um, so that if you were within 250 feet of the church steeple, you wouldn't necessarily be out of context if your structure was a little bit higher. On the other hand, if you were on the other end of the of a, of a city historic district, um, you wouldn't get you wouldn't be entitled to use the average height. You'd have to be lower than the tallest structure within 250 feet. I, I, I'm not an architect either. This was a, a, a sort of a a quick and dirty way of trying to deal with with the fact that the context may be different. Uh, the, the larger the area, it's likely to be different around the area, and it was another way of dealing with that. So that was that was another context area specific comment that we had made. And then also, um, LPA had wanted to add language in. Um, under 22506 standards of review to add the context area is not an extension of the boundaries of a historic district or landmark. For this reason, an application for certificate of approval for a project within the context area should receive the least stringent scrutiny when the Historic Resources Commission or the Historic Resources Administrator applies the standards for review. And there should be a presumption that the application should be approved if there's no significant encroachment on the historic district or landmark. And that language is very similar to what we have in chapter 22 right now. So and I think the reason that that came out in the staff draft is I think we've had a lot of discussions at the commission level on what is significant encroachment. Hmm. You know it when you see it. <laughs> so where is the language about the similar height in a so uh, 22507C? It starts with uh, firming up the language about height of new accessory structures. Like earlier tonight, that one was nine inches shorter than the primary structure. So if this was adopted, the height of new accessory structures shall be at minimum 10% less than the height of the primary structure on the same site. Well, they needed to be like two and a half to three feet under. But again, it's, it's taking something and making it really specific. You know, you could say to the applicant, this is where you have to be. And then the following paragraph is the paragraph the, uh, the new the paragraph that Mike was describing. Lynn, yeah. in the updated draft twenty two chapter twenty two with LPA suggested revisions, 
that looks like it's a Word document with track changes on that says proposed. Is am I correct in perceiving that in section twenty-two, or I guess it's in Article five zero one or subsection? I'm sorry, I'm not an attorney. In twenty-two five zero one, you support the language as amended that does incorporate the changes proposed as or staff. Just just twenty-two five zero one. 501C, the lying in whole or in part within 250 feet. Is that what you're? Correct. Staff would support that. And what about 22501C, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, change to the language there? Right. It's, it's all for that, getting to that distance. And staff would support that as well. So it's, are we discussing them all now or not? It seems like we are. Yes, we are. Okay. <laughs> well, you want a direction on all of them. Right, um, on everything to do with context areas, staff would like direction. Okay, uh, so on the context area question of how much staff should review, um, I believe we should add to the list an item D that allows the HRC to pull any item off the consent agenda and discuss it and vote on it. And then that would alleviate this, you know, is there a list or is there not a list or? I think the concern with that would be the purpose of the administrative review is to allow those projects to move forward before the Historic Resources Commission meets so that applicants don't have to wait for the next HRC meeting. Because it would, oh, the, because the approval would allow them to move forward. I was thinking of the planning process and in the planning commission meeting, that's how they do it. They have their consent agenda, but if there's an item on the consent agenda that the commission would like to discuss. Right. I do that and then, because those items aren't already approved. They're up for approval that night. They're up for approval. That's the difference. We wouldn't if if staff could just approve them. We'd never see them. You would see them on your consent agenda as administrative approvals that have been approved by staff. Mm -hmm. What's so, already happened? What's already happened? Like you do now with your administrative approvals. I'll be completely, I've never really thought about the nuance because- I didn't either, there's, there's, yeah. I, there's no disagreement because, mm -hmm. but- Because she's- When we vote, it's a rubber stamp of what's already done, which is correct. fair. But and, and that part of that is um, our agreement with the State Historic Preservation Office to be a certified local government that the commission um, does approve the staff approvals so that if for some reason staff goes rogue, uh, the commission can pull them back and say, no, that's not, that doesn't meet the Secretary of the Interior standards and shouldn't be approving those. Okay. It would, there'd be a certain number that would have slipped through, so to speak, before the detection of rogue staff members is discovered. <laughs> but it would be a quickly self-correcting mechanism. <laughs> yes. 
Well, then it, knowing that I would support the uh, review of everything but demolitions, um, new constructions greater than 20%. You had a very nice way of saying all that. And it would be demolition, new construction, building additions greater than 20% of the footprint of the existing structure or upper floor additions. Yes. Yeah, Commissioner Johnson, I think that's a good, I think those boundaries are, are valid for the context area for administrative approvals as well. Instead of it being all or a list. Lynn, so I'm just curious, that was that list in the old document, but then taken out for this draft that we're looking at now? Right, it was not in the old, it was not um, in the staff revised draft that the commission's discussing after the public hearings when there was concern about all or nothing. Staff oh. looked at those old environs definitions that we have for context reviews now, and that was pretty standard language to have everything but that demolition, new construction, building additions greater than 20%. Sometimes it was 25%, depending on the environs definition. So that was staff's um, suggestion is maybe a happy medium between all or nothing. Yeah, oh, uh, we like that as well. And we have every confidence in the HRC that they would nab a rogue HRA within like one month. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Commissioner Johnson, I also like the, um, I, I like the redefining the context area to where um, it it is, it is around the, the the parcel of the significant property, but for the app, the proposer's application, it's for the the footprint of the of the structure. That Commissioner Holly said it a lot better a little while ago. Yeah, and it sounds like it's written somewhere. Should yeah this document refer to that so that the homeowner situation, you know, they know how to, how it's being judged. Is that the, 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 the uh, herbage in red, is that what it is doing now? That would, that's LPA's proposed right. change. And Commissioner Holly asked if staff would support that and staff would support adding of any structure or footprint of a proposed addition lying in whole or part within 250 feet of the landmark or historic district. And then jumping down to where that's talked about again in 22507. Uh, that C C two C that doesn't make sense C two C yeah C two C 
Is that right? It's, it's, Where the the ten percent is yeah, added yeah. there for the height? For the height, I was thinking, what if there's a hill or a valley? Mm -hmm. You have a very, mm -hmm. you know, you have a new building or addition, but it's on a property that's significantly lower or higher. We Wouldn't that impact the? We deal with one of those. Yeah, of that would impact the environs, right? Or the how the height is measured. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because if it's just grade plane to you know top of roof peak or something, and it's high on a hill, and all the properties actually in the the district or the the listed property is lower in a valley. And then you're high on the hill example, new building would seem larger than it is and seem to encroach more than maybe it does or less than it does. I don't know. I'm just thinking of what if there's a hill? <laughs> this is just referring to a specific property. So I guess your example, it would be like an estate or something with a, a hill and a valley. But I remember the the language that it replaces is that it shall be significantly less than. And there we get back into what does that mean? And an applicant working with an architect, uh, doing drawings and spending money on that, it would be better for them to have an actual number that they could work with and be less vague was, was our thought. It's a good thought. There's always going to be something now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't know how to amend that. It's clear because I understand I understand the intent of that, but how to amend it to have added clarity unless you commission and pat to do 10 more diagrams of steeply sloping sites are problematic for a flat 10 percent and there's a maybe we just say that steeply sloping sites are subject to individual rules <laughs> i'm sure that jody would have <laughs> legal kind of descriptions at her disposal to use there. Maybe one would think so. <laughs> so it sounds like there's consensus from the commission to um, add the lying in hole or the in part within 250 feet of the landmark or historic district to when certificate of approval shall be required. Is, is that correct? Chair Meyer, I think so. Then next we would ask for direction on the administrative reviews in context area by staff totally the in-between with um, demolition, new construction additions greater than 20% or second story additions or creating a list um, by the HRC 
of projects that could be reviewed administratively. I think we heard from some commissioners, but not all. I like the idea of using your language, what you proposed. Okay. The middle. The middle ground. Okay. Yes. Okay. We have three nods for the middle ground <laughs> on submission. How about in Zoom land? Sounds right. Commissioner Klein in Zoom land has been flipping through this document trying to find where and what we're talking about and to put it all together in my head and I'm still swimming because I'm not thinking clearly right now. And so I primarily uh, uh, would uh, agree with uh, LPA's language is where I'm leaning. Commissioner Ezell. Yeah, I kind of like the in-between. I think that gives us good direction. We'll bring back proposed language at your April meeting. Then my um, last question for context area would be um, the proposed addition by LPA for section 22506 B would be a new number one, and that is adding back the language that's in the current code that the least stringent scrutiny when the commission or the historic resources administrator applies the standards for review, there shall be a presumption that the application should be approved if there's no significant encroachment on the historic district or landmark. Well, and this is Commissioner Johnson. When I read that, I tried to go back toward, isn't there something towards the top that talks about um, the significant um, or that gives the range of um, what's acceptable? Acceptable, yeah. They, there was a... And I couldn't find it, but I swear I read something that talked about how you decide whether something is. Right, it's in the current code now. Okay. Um, when the certificate is required and I can get that, let's see. Okay. And I'm not finding that right now either. Well, and I hadn't downloaded it, so I couldn't do a word search. <laughs> so I was, I was stuck. Because my, my question in my notes was, well, is this any different than what's up above? It, I think it just reiterates or just reiterates that about
And I'm not seeing that in the proposed new chapter. I see where LPA added it in their mm -hmm. comments, but not mm -hmm. where it exists in staff's revised. Let me look one other place. Well, and so I guess my um, uh, I mean, my direction would be I, I agree with that because I think it says it someplace else. <laughs> And I'm, I may be able to help on okay. Yes, on please. I, um, <laughs> we, um, when LPA looked at the package of changes that were coming forward, we generally liked the idea of simplifying the administrative review and context areas and whatnot. We were concerned that, that this language was in, is in the current historic resources code and that taking this language out about a low bar to get over would uh, cause some people in the community to think that the regulations were getting stronger, st stiffer, more, more stringent, more difficult. To, to, and we wanted to dispel that notion so as not to get, uh, uh, not to get uh, unnecessary sort of objections to the changes that were being made. We thought the changes generally were, were good. So that's why we suggested keeping the old language more or less intact not because it really changed very much, but just it, it expressed that this is a pretty low bar to get over. And just going from memory of years of HRC meetings mm -hmm. uh, on that last uh, part of that statement, we're going with encroachment and, and dropping damage or destroy. Will this project significantly encroach, damage, or destroy. That's the old language that we've always used. Right. And city commissioners ago define those terms. You know, does this encroach or does it damage or does it destroy? So we went with encroach. So what does that mean, Dennis? <laughs> We're back to significantly encroach and how to define that, I think, is the challenge. Mm -hmm. It's more than a light encroachment. <laughs> I like that, Jay. <laughs> That's what I'll use. Well, I think a little bit of vague language is not bad because you need the flexibility to um, respond to what comes next or what comes up in the future, which you can't predict entirely. You know what's happened in the past and what you can maybe guess what might come up, but there's going to be something out there that you've never thought of before. So it, it's a little bit protective to have some vague language because then you can explain more thoroughly the position, I think. I do like Mike's point, though, that there's, if there's some kind of statement like this there, uh, that might help applicants who are thinking that 
well, the, the context area reviews are actually going to get tougher. Something needs to be in there, I think. So staff would be looking for direction from the commission on whether or not to add the language that's proposed by LPA in section 22-506B add one. I'll say I'm mm -hmm. I'm in favor, Lynn. I'm not sure if I was 100% with staff and recommend staff like that suggestion. I think the reason staff pulled it out of the um, original proposed changes was that we spend a lot of time at these meetings talking about significant encroachment and just having it be a straight up review that meets the criteria, those design criteria that are um, the illustrative criteria, and then the standards for review instead of bringing that back into it. But I agree with LPA that it might be seen to be more stringent than the review we have now if that language is mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. in the document. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I would love a way of being able to search chapter 22 for the word stringent, and I cannot. And because I swear that's defined elsewhere. And like I said, I think it's the same and I like it. Um, so I guess maybe I don't need to find it, but I swear it's, but the PDF just will not let me search it. I found it. I did. Yes, yeah, so, uh, 505A. Four? How's that? If I'm looking at the right document, it's standards for review, right? 505. Um, it's in the current, I see it in the current uh, chapter 22. Is that what you're looking for? That's what I'm, I'm trying to find where it is else. And so it's, where is it at? Certificate of Appropriateness A4. A4, yeah. The least, the least stringent evaluation is applied there to the we go. environs. Yeah. And that's where it's still saying appropriateness instead of approval. Right. And that's in the existing code, not yeah. in what staff was proposed. Okay. Right. See, I don't know what piece of paper I'm looking at anymore. So um, I've been trying to stay as organized as possible. <clears throat> this is Chair well, I, I apologize, everyone, but I'm actually going to have to go. <laughs> uh, I have a child obligation that I have to take care of, and I just did not realize that we would be going to 815 tonight. So um, I'll have to hand the mantle over to someone else to conclude this. I'll let you guys fight over who that will be.
so staff would take direction on whether or not to add that language back in to the revised document or to leave it out and just depend on those review standards. Commissioner Johnson, I say add it in. I agree. Uh, Commissioner Klein has a question. Which version are we on? Is this version number three, four? I mean, what? How many, how many revisions have there been since this process began? Because I don't know what which document I'm looking at, I should be looking at right now. There's only been one revision. Okay, that's all right. So and then there's the LPA re proposed revisions. Okay, that's what I have in front of me. All right, I will do that. Okay, thank you. So it sounds like maybe consensus is to add that language back in and then just have no significant encroachment and leave out the damage and destroy language. Does that sound right? Yes. Yes. That's, sounds good to me. Lynn, my only question, sorry to, it is getting late. Is there, if you have any ideas, I agree with what you just said. I think we all, if you have between now and the next time, if there's a sentence that makes it easier to soften that blow later and remove the problematic, you're creative. <laughs> I'll wait for your answer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can come up with language um, for significantly encroach and see what that may look like. So would you all like to take a vote on who you would elect as Kelly Irby as our vice chair and she's no longer on the commission. So we would need um, to elect a chair, temporary chair to close out the meeting. Would anyone like to volunteer and take a vote? I elect the most senior commissioner. That's what I was going to say. Who is that? Who is that? I think it's Jay. Because Jody's not here. For this meeting only. For this meeting only. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, for the. <laughs> we're being stringent okay <laughs> i, I, I want to make that clear and have that be on the formal record i mean so we've discussed 501 504 is it really just close the meetings yes if you've got enough direction yes um i'd entertain a motion to close the meeting <laughs> i move second all those in favor aye aye That's a I think you found your new vice chair. Right? I think we did. Too. I think we did too. I was vice chair of the BZA for years.